Welcome to the Waiting Warriors podcast. As loved ones of first responders and military personnel, we often face life situations and challenges that many others don't experience. And while each of us and our experiences are unique, together we can learn from one another and become stronger in this journey of life. Now let's step out of mediocrity. It's time to thrive. Hey, Waiting Warriors out there. Welcome to another special week on the podcast. We're doing our suicide prevention and awareness series. This week, we have JoLynn Lee. Welcome to the show, JoLynn. Thank you. I'm thrilled to be here. We are thrilled to have you. So JoLynn um, works in the Reboot Recovery Camp. Oh, dang it. We were just Lejeune. talking about how to print it. Lejeune. It can go either Lejeune. way. <laughs> either way. I'm Army, so you guys can deal with your controversy of how you're going to pronounce it. Um, but she works there as a site leader. She is married for 30 years to an active duty Marine and mom of five with ages ranging from 29 to 10 and a mother-in-law to active duty Marines. So not only is that introduction incredible, but I am um, part of a group of the Armed Forces Insurance Military Spouses of the Year. And in that group, I ask people because there's like such a wealth of knowledge in that group. And I ask people, okay, I'm doing this suicide series. Who should I interview? Do we know any experts? Do we know any people with experience? And JoLynn Lee came so highly recommended um, just because of her experience, because of her expertise. And I'm really, really excited to have you on the show. Um, Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. It's not an area that I ever envisioned myself becoming um, exceptionally knowledgeable about, either with firsthand mm -hmm. experience or academic experience, but definitely um, something that we have leaned into as a family. Yeah, that's true. Nobody wishes for this expertise, but I'm super grateful that you have it. Um, So can you kind of just just get us started, like, give us a rundown, tell us your story and your journey um, as a military spouse and how it's led you to this work. Sure. So um, I married into the Marine Corps at 18. Um, that was, <laughs> I'm loath to tell you how far back that was, but that was <laughs> way back in 19. <laughs> I'm so old. 1988. You're just experiencing 89 time frame. Um, yeah. And it's funny because um, our my first daughter was born when my husband was in the first Gulf War. Um, and we really didn't talk about, I mean, there just were no conversations about mental health or combat stress or um, the ramifications that that can occur after combat exposure. Um, I think those conversations started coming into play much later after 2001, after 9-11, and seeing the after effects that touched first responders and individuals who encountered that tragedy. And then, of course, when our service members started going off into combat, um, it's funny because at that time, my knowledge was very limited. Um, 
I had an undergraduate degree. I taught special education. I taught um, behavior and emotional mm -hmm. needs. And so that opened me up to how things that go on with individuals emotionally can really impact their behavior. But it's such, it was such a different introduction. You know, I had no idea mm -hmm. how that would come into play with regards to, to combat exposure. And when my husband um, had a deployment, he was in the Battle of Fallujah and he um, came home with a, a purple heart and a silver star. I remember on our um, reintegration brief with the FRO, you know, they basically did this quick slideshow and this is in no way, shape or form putting down that program, people just only know what they know. And and that's mm -hmm. one of the key things that I say is you only know what you know, and you can only convey what you know. So the FRO gave um, a slideshow and one of the topics that they covered was you know, combat exposure, things to look for in your spouse. And it was just a quick slide that talked about like abuse of alcohol, anger issues, you know, sleep issues, but it was so fast that no one, I, I really don't think anybody in the audience registered that those might be real symptoms that we might encounter in our spouses, that we might experience in our household. I mean, I kind of just was like, check, okay, I heard that and didn't really register it. What did connect to me? And I think this is why it's so important that we share our stories. What stuck with me from that brief was a spouse who stood up and spoke and she said, I just want to share with you one of my reintegration experiences. She said, and I, I never would have envisioned that this would happen, but my husband, he came home and, you know, here we were all dressed up, ready to greet him as we do when we're doing the welcome home thing. She said, and he got off. And I think her experience was, you know, plain. And um, he got off the plane and everybody was there waiting and he didn't come and greet the family. He kept working, you know, and oh. he just kept working and taking care of his people. And and I sat there thinking at that time, naively in my chair, holy cow, I can't believe he did that. That would never happen. My husband would never do that. And I'm telling you, like I'm telling you that deployment when my husband stepped off the bus, he came over, gave me a quick kiss, patted like the kids on the heads theoretically, so to speak, and then disappeared for the next two hours yeah. while we stood there waiting. And had I not heard that spouse's story, our reunion would have gone downhill immediately. But because I had heard her story and why her husband did that, the fact that he felt a responsibility to his Marines, he wanted to make sure everybody was making the appropriate connections, that everybody was taken care of because he wasn't ready he was not not prepared to like mentally lay down that responsibility burden yeah. and disconnect and connect with his own family. Had I not heard her story, I would have been very angry and very resentful that here we are at three in the morning waiting for our husbands and mine decides to disappear until 5 a.m. while we're all just sitting here going, where the heck did he go? So yeah. that in and of itself spoke volumes to me that spouses speaking to other spouses is very powerful. Mm -hmm. So, um, Jeff came home and huh, I knew that things were not the same. Um, mm -hmm. he, he had a different level of tension. He had a different level of interacting with the family. He had different responses to our household movements, you know, the kids noise, 
-hmm. their quick reactions. Um, you know, there was just things that were indicators that that his experience on this deployment had been different from others. We didn't really know what it was. Um, there wasn't, I mean, I just didn't know what PTSD was. I didn't know what combat related trauma was. And I don't really think he did either. We had one moment where I kind of cued into, he's actually drinking a little bit more than, and he was never a big drinker, but, you know, grilling out or whatever, he would have a beer. And I kind of cued in on, this is not okay. You know, this is, mm -hmm. this is not good. And I said something to him and he immediately stopped, immediately rectified that. Right. So I'm like, oh, we're good. Yeah. Everything's good. Um, yeah, it was not. We got orders. We transferred um, to a different unit. Um, and within a very short period of time, our family encountered um, an additional trauma. We had a child experience a sexual assault and that kind of. I don't know, fractured our family broke, mm -hmm. broke down the walls of discussion and really prompted my husband to reach out and get help. He had an amazing CEO who recognized that that additional level of trauma in a person's life was going to push my husband over the edge and immediately insisted that he get counseling, that our family get into help. Um, and that changed everything because it was at that time you know, it's so funny. I say to people, it's so, it's so amazing to me how we find ourselves unwilling to get help for ourselves, but mm -hmm. we will move mountains to find healthy for somebody else. My husband yeah. wasn't willing to deal with his own issues, but when he saw his, his, his daughter affected and recognized that the family as a whole had been impacted, you know, he was going to move heaven and earth to make sure we all find healthy. And in the process mm -hmm. of doing that, um, that included him having to find healthy for his personal experiences as well. And let me just tell you, our marriage was not in a good place. Um, mm -hmm. I remember right prior to this happening, just kind of looking at my husband and telling him, I love you. And I don't want to divorce, but I don't want to live with you if things are going to keep going this way. Because he just, he had a short temper and a quick fuse, was very um, controlling and OCD. And it was just kind of making us all crazy. So when I tell you, when I say that there is hope and I do believe that anything can be healed, I mean that. Because when we were in that darkest hour, um, I loved my husband, but I did not like him. <laughs> I respected the military community and the military service and the military environment, but I was pretty much done. <laughs> mm -hmm. I had taken everything Marine Corps in red, white, and blue out of the house because I was just over it because I was just burnt. Mm -hmm. I was tapped out. And mm -hmm. after we sought help and we sought healing and it didn't happen overnight, let me just tell you, it's a lot of work. It is a lot of work and it was a process um, and it took a lot of time, effort, energy and commitment. And we had to do it in stages. You know, our first stage was getting the child healthy and getting my husband healthy. And then that moved to getting the marriage healthy, then getting the family healthy. And um, just as hurt spreads, 
you know, because hurt people hurt other people. And typically we hurt those that are closest to us that we love the most because they're right up close and personal in our world, in our bubble. Mm-hmm. I, I am 100% passionate about the fact that healing spreads and healed people bring healing to other people. And when one person in a family pursues healing with a passion and enthusiasm that spreads, um, it just catches because you're not going to keep that secret to yourself. You're going to want everybody that you know, who's wounded to find that same freedom. So that's kind of how it worked in our family. It was a domino effect. Um, Mm -hmm. I was adamant and insistent that everybody get help. So my husband would say that I was the spearhead to, to our family (laughs) healing movement for our child, for him, for our marriage, and then for our family as a whole. So we just kind of, I don't know, experienced a metamorphosis, you know, where we went from being this broken, wounded family to becoming these individuals who were extremely passionate about good mental health and speaking freely about those things that people don't like to talk about, which typically is broken mental health. Mm-hmm. So we, we left that duty station, got transferred back to Camp Lejeune, and my husband and I were walking through the Naval Hospital for a medical appointment, and I saw a banner that was in the Naval Hospital, and it said, Reboot Combat Recovery. And I was like, what is this? And it talked about how um, the program worked with individuals who had, had experienced combat trauma. And I turned to my husband, and I was like, now, where was this when we were broken? Yeah. That would have been an amazing thing. <laughs> That would have been a great program. And in, in the process of all this, make note, I ended up going back to school to get a graduate degree in counseling because I'm a teacher. And mm-hmm. so I needed to learn academically how to help my family. I needed to know what solid mental health practices were, what good counseling was, what I needed to know the ins and outs of it. Mm-hmm. So that's just how my brain works. So um I told my husband, I said, we're going to volunteer with this organization. And he was like, hey, we really don't have time for this. And I said, we don't have time not to do this. Mm, So, of course, you know, me being the stubborn wife that I am, I'm like, we're doing this. And we ended up getting connected and volunteering with them. Um, And then when the current administrators of the program received orders and transferred away, they asked us if we would carry that torch forward. And we've been involved with the program here ever since. Um, I don't think that there is a one size fits all Mm -hmm. to addressing trauma in individuals. I do think that it's extremely important for people to continue to look and to not give up until they find what works for them. Yeah. And that's where people get discouraged because, you know, something doesn't work or they don't have a quick fix. And they want to quit. And dude, there's no quick fix to this. It takes time, effort, and energy. It takes diligence. You take two steps forward and three steps back. I think the cool thing about Reboot is you do it in company with other individuals who have a similar experience and a similar story. Mm -hmm. So you're not doing it alone. It's healing in community with others who get it. Um, And typically it's veteran-led. And so that that provides an element of depth that may otherwise be missing. Yeah. That's just, that's just my story. That's well, I mean, it's not awesome that you went with, but that you guys have been able to come so far and now you're helping so many well, and others. You know, it, 
it's not awesome that we went through it, but I will tell you, um, having gone through the experiences that we went through, every member of our family has had the opportunity to speak hope into other individuals who have experienced trauma in some form or fashion. My husband spent some time at the Naval Academy um, as an instructor, and he, I'm telling you, he could identify woundedness particularly in young women at the Naval Academy because of our family experience. And there was a, I guess he might have just radiated a sensitivity and compassion because they would confide in him and he would be able to direct them to get help. Each of our, each of our kids has had the opportunity to speak into someone else, you know, encouragement to get help, to find healing, to step out, to use your voice. And so while I wish as a family, we had never experienced the things that we had experienced. If it provides us with the opportunity to encourage others to step out of their darkness, then it's, it's worth it. Yeah. That's beautiful. So as you guys have been so active in reboot recovery with helping handle all these traumas and you know com- combat trauma in particular is kind of what the military typically deals with um what is or doesn't yeah or <laughs> what is something that you wish you had known earlier about combat trauma like is there anything that just you think every single military spouse it should just be common knowledge Oh my goodness. Um, Oh, I think that it should be common knowledge that it looks different in every person. There's no um, one size fits all as to what it's going to look like in an individual, in your marriage or in your family. I think it should be common knowledge to understand trauma doesn't happen in a bubble. So what do you mean by that? What affects that individual when that when that individual goes off to combat and they come home when they've been impacted, while they may think it's just them that's been touched, it touches everybody because they're going to interact differently with their spouse. They're mm-hmm. going to interact differently with their children. They're going to respond differently. You know, one of the things that my husband struggled with when we had our initial late in life baby, um, the 12 year old. He really struggled with him crying. Mm. He didn't like, he did not like the sound of his crying. And we ended up being interviewed um, by the Today Show online, speaking about parenting with PTSD. And that brief article that was published online, I I had so many people reach out because we talked about how um, PTSD impacted our family life and parenting. Mm-hmm. And so many people that were close to me were like, oh my gosh, nobody's ever talked about that before. I've never told anybody how my husband couldn't stand to hear our our baby cry, how he couldn't stand to hear the kids running through the house screaming, how he, you know, how my spouse nearly, you know, knee jerk reacted when our child startled them when they were in the recliner and they came up swinging. Yeah. You know, so I just wish that there was more of an awareness both for the individual that's impacted and for the family as a whole, that it doesn't happen in a bubble and what affects one affects all. 
And it is super beneficial for the whole family, the whole family to get help. Because a lot of times you see the parent-child relationship kind of deteriorate and separate Hmm. because the child doesn't understand what's going on with the parent. And the parent doesn't have the ability to convey that to the child or they're too embarrassed to convey that to the child. And so a separation occurs and it doesn't have to be that way. There's a better way. Yeah. Um, Communication is the key, but it's, it's communicating about a topic that no one really wants to talk about. Yeah. But we don't fix anything unless we talk about it. It's like this vicious, vicious, terrible cycle that until somebody starts talking, nothing's going to get better. Correct. That's absolutely true. Um, and I do think I do think the mindset is changing within the military in terms of it being so taboo to talk about. Mm-hmm. Maybe not 100 percent. Yeah. But I do feel like it is it is better now than it used to be. Yeah. And I I, will, I just want it to continue. Yeah. And I, I will say to that point, like. I've I've been talking to so many spouses um, this last few weeks about suicide because of the series and talking about why I wanted to do it and the awesome interviews that have happened and are coming. And it's like, everybody has said that, right? Like, well, the, the military is getting better, but it's not as good as it should be. And my gut reaction every time has been like, it's not just the DOD's job you know it's not just the pentagon's job or your co's job or your sergeant's job or whoever is above you it is not just their job to make the military community's attitude towards this better i feel like we as spouses have a huge responsibility to make it better and it gets better by us bringing it up by us talking about it before they go, by us talking about it before or when they come back, by us listening to podcasts and reading articles and then sharing them with our communities and our neighbors and our friends when we do listen to this. Like, Jolyn, I mean, obviously, I'm going to share this episode because that's my job. But like, I'm something that you have said has really touched me and I've had the thought of sharing it with a friend and I'm going to send it to that specific friend, even though this is kind of a weird thing and not necessary. You know, like it's not something I've talked about with this friend before, but I feel like it's so important for it to just not be taboo in our community. And it's not going to be that way until we, I agree. I agree. I think the only way we can't just wait um, for, we take away the stigma is you have to get comfortable with being uncomfortable and, and, and speaking into that darkness. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not comfortable for us to air our dirty laundry. I had air quotes going with that, even though you can't see me. However, when we as a community start telling our story, that gives other people the courage to share theirs. And I really do feel like the more you share your story, the less power it has over you. Oh, 100%. Yeah, put that on every like suicide prevention awareness poster there is. <laughs> right? We just we just have to talk about it. It's not because it doesn't going mean to just go when, in. when you have those moments of darkness, it doesn't mean that you have to be broken forever. It just means you're having 
a broken moment. And mm-hmm. when we share our broken moments, like it gets better. It does get better. And it helps others realize that they're not broken alone, that they can have a broken moment and together we can move forward. There's, yeah. there's just power in that community. Yeah, there is. And in just understanding, like, cause something that I was thinking about before the interview, like as reading some stuff, oh shoot, I should look who it actually was or my husband who is all, you have to cite everything and research isn't research unless you say who it's from. Um, the, the well, national, the, yeah, you, yeah, you, you master degree people are all, all the same that way. Um, it was the National Council of Behavior Health for the United States did a study. And I think the stats I was looking at was from, um, 2019. So the one that they just, recently published and they were saying that 70% of adults have experienced at least one traumatic event in their life. Yes, and because accurate. of, because of this, we as a society need to treat PTSD is the one they were particularly talking about seriously. And we need to understand it. We need to understand the signs. We need to understand the coping mechanisms so that we as a society can be as healthy as we can be. Mm-hmm. And I loved that they are bringing attention to that. But then I realized the people who are listening to this, uh, this podcast are military firefighters, law enforcement, and then other first responders, loved ones, right? Right. That, that group of people hands down easily experience way more than just one trauma. Oh, that's correct. Life. They have, they have layers of trauma. Layers, mm-hmm. like layers. And it's not 70% of our community. It is probably 99.99999% of our community because of what their job is to do. They are exposed to trauma. And, and here's the like, thing. They treat as, as a community. Well, I mean, as a society, we will treat our mental health with less care and respect than we would treat our vehicle, our appliance, or a rescue pet. I said this to somebody the other day. I said, we, as a society, we have so much compassion and care for rescue animals. We understand mm-hmm. that they're being rescued for a reason because they've either been abandoned, they've been abused, they've come out of a, a really awful experience, and we will love on them, we will rehabilitate them, we will, you know, provide um, situational success for them, meaning we put them in env- environments where they can thrive. But we mm-hmm. do not have that same level of compassion and care for broken people. Mm-hmm. Well, there's something that that comes from a lack of awareness, yeah. a lack of understanding yeah. and a lack of education as to what broken mental health means. And it doesn't mean that you're making excuses for people or you're justifying bad behavior. It means that you understand the origins of that behavior and you're going to work with that person so that they can get to what is the root of their issue. And then we can pull up the bad root and plant a better harvest. Now I'm going into mm-hmm. farm metaphors, but anyway, I, hope I you like understand it, what though. I'm saying because <laughs> Like you won't drop when the, when the warning light comes on your car, you take it in and you get it serviced. 
You know, mm-hmm. when something goes out on your stove or your fridge, you call a repairman, but we will keep operating as people when the warning lights are going off in our life and things are broken within us. We just keep plowing ahead and pushing it aside going, oh, no, I can I can push through. I can keep doing it. I can keep doing it till eventually it gives out. We're not designed yeah. to do that. <laughs> yeah. And I love all those different metaphors that you gave because I feel like now, depending on what your loved one is into, like, hey, she just gave you a gardening metaphor, which my husband could totally use on me because I'm into that. If your husband's into cars, like maybe that's the way you need to speak to them or whatever they are into. Like you would care for your I'm trying to think of another one, but I'm not as clever as you. But it's like, if they're into football, it's like, if your favorite player was hurt, you would want them to get healed so quickly. You wouldn't want oh, them yes. to be you would put them. You would put them through the rehabilitation process, and then you mm-hmm. would give them time to get their feet back under them so that they could come back and take the field when they were fully operational and fully functional. You would set them up for an avenue for success. But we don't do that with individuals. There's a million different directions that you can explain it, but it all comes Mm -hmm. back to the fact that we've got to be willing to admit that we have a problem and we have to be willing to step out and seek help. And just because, let me just tell you, when we, what I told you, I went back and got my graduate degree in counseling. That is Mm -hmm. because we went through several counselors that I literally said they're crackpots and wackadoodles. Like there was (laughs) no other way to phrase it other than, you're a crackpot, you're a wackadoodle, and I'm not bringing my family to you because I might not be academically trained, but I can recognize stupid when I see stupid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and, I, and so I needed to know what good mental health was because these people didn't know how to help us get there. Mm-hmm. And so just because, just because maybe the first step you take isn't successful, that doesn't mean that you stop moving forward. You try again and you try again and you try again. And I think one of the thing we, things we tell people with Reboot, okay, if, if you come to Reboot and it's not for you, then at least join arms with us until we find something that does work for you. Yeah. And Okay. So can you, can you tell us real fast, because um, we've only got a few minutes left, of what is Reboot Recovery? Reboot Combat Recovery, and then they have Reboot for First Responders, is a 12-week program. It does not take the place of formal counseling, but it is a 12-week program that is going to provide those individuals who come with practical application tools to deal with the traumatic events that they've been exposed to. Every week, you will go and you will meet and you will um, engage with your fellow participants and and you will learn something that mm-hmm. week that you can directly apply to your life that's going to bring about change. Um, mm-hmm. You're going to get out of the program, what you put into it. We've had people who have come through multiple times because, again, trauma can happen in layers. And so mm-hmm. healing happens kind of like peeling back the layers of an onion where you're like, OK, well, this this area is good now, but this area needs addressed. That's not failure. That's pursuit of healthy. Yeah. Um, I wish I wish that folks knew that mental health and and suicide. It can sneak up on you. Um, I I recently wrote a blog post where I called it silent drowning. 
and, Mm -hmm. and I referenced what happened to a family member um, who was close to us. And here I am with a graduate degree in counseling. And here we are, you know, site leads for reboot here at Camp Lejeune. And we had a family member that was really close to us who slipped over the edge and um, very nearly killed himself. Um, He sat in his truck with a gun in his hand and said to my husband, my husband just happened to get there in time. He said to my husband, I don't want to die, but I can't keep living like this. And then he went to pull the trigger and my husband was able to physically intervene and prevent that from happening. But the point is, this is somebody that was super close to us and we have direct interaction with them on a regular basis. We have academic knowledge and personal experience and that still slipped past our awareness. Mm-hmm. Um, and I equated that experience to um, our granddaughter. We were, we were all swimming in the swimming pool and we have a large family. We have seven grandchildren and her parents were in the pool. We were in the pool and one of the grandchildren got into trouble swimming. And ironically enough, the 12 year old is the one that recognized it and jumped in and, and pulled her up. We were right there, but we nearly missed it. See you, that happens, that happens. And when it does, I want to tell people it's not your fault. It's not your fault if you miss it. Because we are all just human. And and so often people carry that survivor guilt. Mm-hmm. Um, we are all truly just doing the best that we can. But the best that we can do is just educate ourselves and increase awareness. Bring a voice to these stories. Talk mm-hmm. about it, talk about it, talk about it. Yeah. And if you guys haven't gotten the hint, you should talk about it. right (laughs) yeah well thank you so much for coming on the show last question what has been your key to thriving that you want to share with your fellow waiting warriors oh okay so don't laugh at me i have a little acronym Mm -hmm. thrive right t-h-r-i-v-e train habits to reduce stress increase value and engage with excellence If you want to thrive in your environment, and we all know that our environments change on the regular with military life, (laughs) and you don't always get to pick them. I say that Mm -hmm. sarcastically because let's be real, we never get to pick them. You have to cultivate the practice of training habits in your life and within your family and within your unit that are going to reduce stress, both personally and as a family unit. You're going to increase value within your life, within your family unit, within your community, so that you can engage and operate in your area successfully. That doesn't happen by accident. That ha- ah, I'm sorry, the phone's ringing in the background. That happens with in- intentionality and purpose. Mm-hmm. So that would be that my is- that would be my recommendation. <laughs> that is the coolest answer to that question to date out of oh, 70 73 episodes that is my favorite and i want to make like a cool i don't know that is awesome absolutely <laughs> that is so awesome well, well thank, thank you, you so much for coming on the show um jolyn if anybody has some questions if they want to connect with you thank you for being on the show what's the best way for them to do that absolutely they can email me at contact at jolynlee.com 
J-O-L-Y-N-N-L-E-E.com. Um, they can Google Starfish Talks. That's my blog page. And cool. there's an email there that they can reach out or they can find me on Facebook. I mean, mm -hmm. I typically give out my phone number to everybody because, you know, with Reboot, we're, we're open to text messages and phone calls as well. So um, I don't know if I should share my phone number here or not. That's up to no, you. But... Yeah, not in here. We'll let people reach out and then you can, okay. then you can give it to them from there. But thank you again so much. Guys, please, please keep talking about this. Please share yes. the episodes with your friends. Reach out to JoLynn if you have questions. If you Absolutely. Um, if you want to learn more, just let's keep this conversation going. Let's keep our community getting healthier Absolutely. and healthier. And JoLynn, seriously, from the bottom of my well, heart, thank you. thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. And I all you waiting warriors out there, remember, just because it's hard doesn't mean it has to be miserable. Have a great week, guys. Hey, fellow Waiting Warriors, since I know you are loving this podcast and being able to connect and learn from others, I need you to go and write a review for the podcast. Even just a rating with the stars really helps people find this podcast. And the more people listening means the more people thriving, which is truly my ultimate goal for all of you. It's super simple, will just take a minute, but it will make a world of difference.